Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Greetings. How are you today? I hope you're doing fantastic. I am super excited to talk to you this next quarter. So April, May, and June around college graduation 2019. But don't worry if you graduated from college a long time ago or are one of those folks who did not go to school, you're still going to get a tremendous amount of value out of what I talk about in the next three months. So I'm going to spend April talking about resumes, cover letters, and LinkedIn profiles, which are your primary marketing documents. So I really want to shift your thinking first off of your resume, cover letter, LinkedIn profile as being marketing documents. And I want to talk about three kind of primary differences in your resume of 2019 as opposed to you know, really just a few years ago, and certainly as I was coming up when resumes were still, I'm really going to age myself, my first resumes were on typewriter because we didn't have computers yet. I know, right? I'm practically ancient. So I want to kind of, again, set the stage on what's different, what you need to know about resumes in 2019. And the first point I want to make about this is that, as I've just said, your resume is a marketing document. So what most of you have for a resume, unless you've worked with me or someone qualified like me, is a very descriptive document. I call them data sheets. So they tell the reader, here was my job title, here was my employer, here were my dates of employment, here were my job duties, lather, rinse, repeat. So from a marketing standpoint, that's like telling the employer, I had a job and I did it, right? It doesn't market you as to how well you performed the job. So it's kind of like from a a marketing standpoint, if you've ever taken a marketing class, you can kind of understand where I'm, I'm coming from here. You're describing the product's features rather than the benefits. And any good marketer will tell you that the focus of the marketing should be on the benefits of that feature. So in marketing terms, if you think about the, the features of a product, it could be like these shoes have shoelaces. This sofa is covered in dark brown fabric. This refrigerator has an ice maker. So those are all features of those products, but that's not what sells the product, right? So an employer does need to know your job duties, which are your features, right? So they need to know what job duties you performed. They need to know, um, you know, what kind of software you used and what kind of processes you used and what were your daily job duties. But if that's the focus of the resume, you're missing a tremendous opportunity to tell the employer how well you did that job. These are your benefits. Let's go back to our marketing example with our shoes and our sofa and our refrigerator. Here are the benefits. So these shoes have interchangeable shoelaces that can match any outfit you have in your wardrobe. You'll be the most stylish woman at the coffee shop. All right, so we've taken those simple idea of this this shoe has shoelaces, this athletic shoe has shoelaces, and now we've talked about what are the possibilities with that shoelace? How are you going to show up differently as a result of these interchangeable cool shoelaces? Now we've differentiated that pair of athletic shoes from others on the shelf. The color of the sofa means stains and dirt will practically disappear. So we've taken that dark brown fabric of the sofa and we've talked about how that will benefit the buyer of that sofa. 
This refrigerator's ice maker is in the door, which we, which will save you approximately $125 a year in electricity cost. So it's one thing to see that, oh, there's the ice makers in the door. I can get water in the door. But then when you tell that potential buyer, hey, here's how much money you're going to save by having that in the door so that the kids aren't opening and closing the freezer door all day long, now we've turned it into a benefit. All right, so let's translate this into your resume again. So here are a few bullets I want to share with you from resumes that I've written for my clients where we're, we're taking their, we've got their job description in each of these cases, but now this is one of their bullets. This is one of their benefits. This is one of their selling features, right? So here's the first one. Developed and implemented a mentoring program that reduced general manager turnover 4% and saved $240,000 in recruiting and onboarding costs. This was a more senior client of mine, but we, instead of just saying I developed a mentoring program, right, so that could kind of go unnoticed, okay, yeah, whatever, but now we, we have quantified that act. It reduced general manager turnover 4%, and that saved the company $240,000 in recruiting and onboarding costs. So we've gone from features to benefits. So what we're saying to that employer is, I can do the same thing with your company. I can reduce expenses. I can reduce turnover in your company. Here's another one. Completed approximately 60 engagements thus far, encompassing weddings, graduations, birthdays, house parties, and bars and clubs. So this was a client who was entry level and had started his own DJ business while he was in college. And so we are quantifying. So instead of, you know, like his job duties probably said something about, you know, I'm a DJ. I work as a DJ. But here we have quantified it so it can be an accomplishment. He's completed approximately 60 engagements thus far and talked about all the kinds of engagements. So what's important about that is that, again, if, if I just see that you had a DJ business, well, maybe you never had any clients or maybe you had one client. But he had a lot of clients. He was doing this. He had 60 of them. So we wanted to quantify that to show the employer how well he did that, how well he performed his DJ business. Here's another one. Maintained 100% accuracy with approximately 70 closing packages, totaling $24.5 million. So this was another entry-level client who had his own business assembling mortgage loan packages. So if you don't know what that is, Somebody has to work with um, a realtor and or a title company to put together the loan package or the mortgage originator, right? So somebody at the other end has to put together all the paperwork to make a legal sale of a home, a legal purchase of a home. And those people are called loan originators or mortgage originators. And so he did this on the side and on his own business. And he had had done approximately 70 of them, and he did them with 100% accuracy. So that's really great quantification. And what he's telling an employer is, hey, if you hire me, I'm really accurate, and I'm going to work at high volume. Here's another one. Conducted a Facebook email campaign that resulted in 3,000 plus likes within three days and increased engagement to 11%. So her job duty could be, you know, I, I do Facebook email campaigns. That's part of my job. This is what I do. But because we've quantified it, it now becomes an achievement. It becomes a benefit to the employer. So, hey, I can help you get 3,000 plus likes in just three days, and I can increase your Facebook engagement by more than 10%. Here's another one. Realized 20% volume growth over the previous year with KTM Bike Retail Marketing Program at Key Convenience Retailer Super America. 
So this guy was working with a bike marketing program, a retail marketing program with a particular retailer, Super America, and he realized 20% volume growth, right? So this guy is a sales dude and he's saying, hey, I'm going to, I'm sales and marketing. I can increase your sales and marketing results 20%. So I really want you to notice how many of those have numbers. So whether it's dollars, percentages, number of participants, or volume, of people or something like that, whenever you can quantify your achievements, you take that statement to the next level. So I hope that kind of helps you to see the difference between a job duty, what you were hired to do day-to-day -day basis, here's what I did, and an achievement, which is a specific accomplishment. It's a, in a point in time, here is a thing that I did, and here's how well I did it. All right, so that's point number one. Your resume is a marketing document. Make sure that it is not a static descriptive document or what I call a data sheet. Make sure it markets you with those achievements. Number two, the point that I want to make is that your resume reflects your brand. So this is a concept that I think is, I think that more and more in college you guys are getting this uh, instruction, certainly in B schools, but the idea that you are a brand, right? So we're very familiar with brands like Nike and McDonald's and, you know, um, Walmart. But we also want a personal brand. Your company that you're going to work for has a brand, but you also have a brand. And increasingly, I want you to think of yourself as that's the product that you're marketing and you are, you are selling your services to a particular employer. I think that that's a much healthier way to think about your career as opposed to, you know, I need a job. I need somebody to pay me. I need to work for an employer. I think that's a very disempowering stance. I want you to think of you as a product and you're going to market it and sell it to the company that most values what you have to sell and will compensate you accordingly. To truly differentiate yourself on your resume, you must tell the reader what you bring to the table that no other candidate will have. I've said that a million times before on this podcast, but it really bears repeating. You have to tell your, your reader, what do you bring to the table that is different? And this is the, the different word is the, the catchy, catchy one for most people. What can you do for that employer that no other candidate can do? What makes you uniquely qualified for the position you're applying for? So during the resume writing process with my clients, I ask them why an employer should hire them over all the sea of candidates, right? I have them picture themselves old school in a big old lobby with all the other candidates for their jobs sitting around them in the lobby waiting nervously for their interview. And they look around and they have sort of infinite knowledge about these people. They, they know them because they've worked with them. They know them because they went to school with them. They know them because these are, you know, they worked in their competitors, whatever the case may be, but they understand these people. They have a pretty good sense of who these other people are. And then they walk into that interview and the employer says, why should I hire you over all those other people out there? And if you don't have a good answer for that, I can promise you, you're not going to be the winning candidate. And when I go through this process with my clients in preparation for their resume, I often get really generic answers like, I'm a hard worker. I'm a team player. You know, I have a degree in. And I've said this before. So the analogy that I use is it's like going to a car dealership. You know, you go to the Toyota dealership and you stand next to a Prius. You're interested for sure. The salesman comes up and says, can I help you? And you said, oh, tell me about this Prius. I'm, I'm very interested in it. And the salesman goes, oh, wait, wait, wait. You won't believe it. It's got four tires, an engine, and a steering wheel. <laughs> it doesn't differentiate that vehicle from not only any vehicle on their lot, but any vehicle on 
any lot. There's nothing there that differentiates that that car. You want to know about what's that gas mileage? What's this thing with the hybrid? How does that work? How much mileage will I get? What are the safety features? What's the nav and the entertainment center look like? Um, what's the what's the repair you know um, maintenance record on this uh, type of vehicle? So let's go back to thinking of yourself as a product. So we're going to go back to the example of the shoes. All right. So let's just pretend that you are going to go have a conversation with those athletic shoes, you know, the ones with the shoelaces, right? They can talk back to you. Okay, I know this is weird, but stick with me. So you walk up to the athletic shoes, you introduce yourself, and you say, athletic shoes, why should I buy you? And the athletic shoes respond with, because I have a sole, S-O-L-E, by the way, shoelaces, and a vamp. A vamp, by the way, is the top part of the shoe. So basically, the shoe has said, you should buy me because I'm a shoe, you're not going to buy that shoe because it has, you know, a sole and shoelaces and a vamp. That's not why you're going to choose that particular shoe. Those are the shoe's features, but that's not what's going to compel you to buy. You're going to choose to buy a particular pair of shoes because they're the right type of shoe for the athletic activity that you plan to do, you know, because they feel good on your feet, because they have maybe the proper arch support. That's a big one for me because I have arch issues because they're warm enough or cool enough. So for whatever kind of weather you're in or activity you're going to do, they're temperature wise, they make sense and they look good on your feet, right? Those are the things that differentiate one pair of shoes, athletic shoes from another. And all shoes are going to have soles and shoelaces unless they're Velcro and they have a vamp, right? They have a top, they have a bottom and they have shoelaces, something that keeps it all together. So let's go back to you as a product that you're offering employers. Why should they hire you over the sea of applicants clamoring for that same position? So here's a couple of, of excerpts. So we're talking specifically about how you would express this on the resume. It should be consistent with what you say in the interview, but not word for word. So this is kind of a good jumping off point for how you would present yourself in that interview when they say, why should I hire you? So here's some examples for my clients. Entrusted with more than 500 customers, including Target, one of the company's largest customers globally, serving as the face of company X with many key relationships. So this is a candidate who is in sales and marketing, and we haven't just said I'm in sales and marketing. We're saying I've got 500 customers, and one of them's Target. That's one of the company's largest customers globally, and I am the face of my company with many key relationships. So we've really taken in, in terms of differentiating him, he's got a high volume of clients, 500. He's got one of the company's biggest, and he's very effective as the face of the company. Here's another one. Offering a diverse background spanning entrepreneurship, office management, heavy equipment operations, and entertainment. So this was a guy who was um, older and not particularly focused. He didn't have a college degree, um, which is not typically who I work with, but he was um, uh, related to one of my clients. And so I worked with him and he wanted to kind of go into yet another different sort of field than what he'd done before. So what we were selling with him was his breadth of experience. So I often talk about this with my clients. Some client, Some of my clients have depth, right? They've been in the same field and they've gone you know, deep in their experience with that field, and that's that's their niche. Others have that breadth. So they've got all these other kinds of things that they've done, 
and then we talk about how does that make them a really great candidate. So we've really differentiated them because if the employer is looking for someone with depth, they're not going to be interested in this guy. But if they like the idea that he's ha had his hands in a lot of different piles and, and different things, including entrepreneurship, then they're going to be really immediately attracted to him. Here's another one. Strong background in global supply chain strategies, business analytics, and innovative go-to-market approaches that generate industry-leading results. So this is a guy who's worked in supply chain, and but he's also worked in business analytics, which is kind of, um, you know, looking at the numbers around business processes, business results, all that. And go-to-market approaches, which is a marketing strategy, like how do we get this product out there to the people? So he's got a, he's got some breadth within a fair, fairly narrow range, but he does have breadth. This next one is for an entry-level candidate who has been out in the workforce in a different field for a couple of years, and now he wants to go into supply chain, an entry-level supply chain job. He's just as, he, he went out and worked with a an associate's degree, and now he's just got his bachelor. So here's his first statement on his resume. I wanted to give you the whole thing because I think it, it really makes sense together. Attained 3.96 GPA at Southern New Hampshire University while working full-time and part-time jobs, demonstrating high motivation, determination, and the ability to make sacrifices. Active in leading teams for Financial Peace University, demonstrating leadership, financial acumen, and commitment to community service. So if we had just said, you know, I have high motivation, determination, and the ability to make sacrifices. I'm a strong leader, financial acumen. If we just said those things, they wouldn't have a lot of meaning and punch to them. But because we said, hey, I got a 3.96 GPA at university. I was working a full-time job and a part-time job, and here's what that says about me. And I'm a leader for teams at Financial Peace University, which is kind of a big deal for his brand. He, they, they do it on a really big scale. He's worked on, with this a lot. And then we can talk about his leadership, financial acumen, and commitment to community service in that context. Here's another one. Strong business development skills combining data mining and analysis with exceptional interpersonal skills and proven networking ability. So this is someone who'd been in sales and wanted to go more into kind of internet, uh, go into kind of client management um, and kind of account management. So after the sale has been made, so we talked about, and, and this is kind of in the middle of this, we, we talked about her ability to manage accounts. Then we wanted to talk about her business development skills because she was willing to do that piece as well. And then finally, this is also for the same client, extensive international travel experience, currently 16 countries with the proven ability to navigate travel efficiently and cost effectively. So instead of just saying, you know, willing to travel for the job or something like that, we have quantified how many countries she's traveled in. And what does that say about her? Well, it says that she can navigate travel efficiently and cost effectively. And that differentiates her. So that's point number two, that you're, you are a brand and that brand must be reflected in your resume and in your LinkedIn profile and your cover letter. We're going to talk about the LinkedIn and the cover letter piece in future weeks. All right, here's point number three. Your resume must be applicant tracking system or ATS compatible. So that's the name of the game. So back in the day, back in my day, back in the, you know, when the earth was still cooling, you sent your resume in via an email or you might even have mailed it into a company for a specific position. And there was this overworked and underpaid human resource person sorting through all of those. And she was either, he or she was either collecting all of those to send to the hiring manager, or maybe they, that person was doing some kind of initial screening of those applicants and only forwarding the, the ones who met certain criteria. 
that's not happening anymore. So virtually every company, except for maybe, you know, mom and pop shops, very small organizations, um, or companies who are led by people who are, you know, technology averse, they have ATS systems. And I wanted to kind of explain why ATS systems have happened. And these are four, there may be many more reasons, but these are four reasons that I came up with. Number one, it minimizes the human capital needed to process applicants. So that's going to save the company money, right? So instead of that overworked and albeit underpaid HR person managing all of this, the computer is doing that. And that is either cutting down on the number of people that they need in human resources, that's going to save them money, or they can allocate that HR person's time to something that's more useful and productive. Secondly, it reduces the potential for human error, and that can, in the case of hiring, that can often lead to lawsuits. So whether it's, you know, um, we overlooked your application or we, you know, we did something that we shouldn't have done um, in the hiring process, the, the ATS can often kind of help to mitigate that, and so that kind of saves the company money in lawsuits. Number three, it provides an unbiased and unprejudiced way to evaluate candidates based on the job criteria. So theoretically, the employer is making better hires. And I'm going to put that word theoretically in, in <laughs> kind of air quotes because I have, I have concerns about the loss of the human piece. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But theoretically, at least, because there is someone at the other end who's saying, here are the qualifications for this job. Here are the criteria that you must meet. And the system is searching that out. Theoretically, it's eliminating any potential for bias by, you know, the, how the resume um, looks initially or, you know, where the person went to school or, you know, if their address is on the resume, you know, do they live in a good section of town or not? You know, any of those kinds of things that can be overt or covert, it can kind of take those off the table. And then four, it automatically keeps track of the stuff that the state and federal government need for reporting purposes like EEO, which is employ um, Equal Employment Opportunity, um, you know, Affirmative Action, any of those kinds of things, and, 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 you know, reports those to the government. So there are, as I alluded, significant downsides to the ATS. And if you've applied for a job lately, you're well aware of these. Um, so here's a couple of them. Number one, the difficulty of putting your resume in correctly so that the ATS can read and score it, right? So if you don't know what you're doing, you might be very qualified for the job, but you haven't presented yourself in a way that the ATS can score you properly. I'm going to give you some tips on that in a minute, but that's a big concern, right? Number two, the inability to interact with a human in the process. So it's hard to, you know, you don't have an opportunity to answer questions like you used to, and it, it, it doesn't lend itself to feeling any kind of personal connection with the company or feeling particularly good about the company because it's just a it's there's such a one-off thing going on. Number three, it's very unlikely that you will hear from the company unless you are chosen as a candidate. They will probably not even send you a you know we received it. it's very unlikely that they'll send you that almost never, and it has to do with legal purposes. And they may or may not even tell you that the position has been filled at the end by someone else. So unless you are chosen for an interview, you're left in the dark. And I, I can remember back in the day when I applied for a position, I couldn't, I knew how highly qualified I was and I couldn't figure out why I hadn't gotten an interview. And I, I called them and finally found a human and they had never received it. And, and I did everything I was supposed to do on their system. This was on, this wasn't like on Indeed or anything. This was the company's website and they didn't have it. And then finally, 
I think there's this feeling that you kind of have to, you know, back in school, we had, you know, teachers would teach to the test, right? So instead of like making sure the kids were learning what they needed to learn, it was, it was like, let me make sure you pass the test. And I think there's a little bit of that with the ATS. There's this feeling that I have to play to the ATS rather than just present myself as who I am. I have to play some games to get around the ATS. So having said that, um, I want to give you some points on how to kind of work around the ATS, work with the ATS, I should say, so that you can get the job or at least get considered for the job. So number one, any formatting on your resume that isn't on your computer keyboard is not going to translate to the ATS. And so you want to take all of that out. Now, I'm going to talk about it in terms of having an ATS resume and what I call a pretty resume. That's the service that I provide my clients because I still want them to have a graphically attractive resume for the human to see. But I also give them a, an, an unformatted version, an ATS formatted version, if you will, that they can put into the system. But any formatting, so if you have things like bullets, text boxes, charts and graphs, italics, lines, symbols, any of those kinds of things, um, you know, a, a nifty font for your name, any of that kind of stuff, it's not going to translate to the ATS. And if you've, you've seen documents where it's just a bunch of gibberish, that's what's going to show up. Number two, keywords are the name of the game. So what you want to do is if you are applying to a specific job that's been posted, you want to look at that job description and look for the keywords. Those are typically nouns. It's going to be things like skill sets or experience, certain kinds of experience, certain kinds of education, certifications. Those are the things that the ATS is going to be searching for those keywords. And you want to make sure that they are in your resume. You cannot expect the ATS to intuit anything, right? So a human could see something. I'll, I'll, a perfect example I was talking to a client yesterday who got his equivalent to a bachelor's degree outside of the country. He got it in Jamaica, I believe it was. And they don't call it a bachelor's degree. But the, the, the ATS is going to be looking for bachelor's degree in or maybe just bachelor's degree on a resume. So we strategized about how do we say it so that it, it we're, we're not misrepresenting it, but we are making it very clear to the ATS that what he has from Jamaica is the equivalent of a bachelor's degree in the United States. So the, the words have to be there. You typically aren't talking about in this in, in these keywords, you're not talking about things like hardworking or team player or all that communication skills, all that crap, because that's easy for you to say and, and pretty impossible for you to prove in a resume. You want those are the kind of things, those qualities that you want someone else, a recommendation, a recommender to talk about about you possessing, not you talking about you possessing. So number three. You don't want to cut and paste the job description into the resume. So I think that kind of early on in the days of the ATS, people thought that was a good idea. And of course, it's a terrible idea because when the human gets to your resume, they're going to throw that out. So if you've cut and pasted the exact content of the job description into your resume, it's just a terrible idea. We want the essence of that. We want those skills, those critical qualities, um, but we don't want it for word for word. Number four use common headings for the sections of your resume. So another thing that the ATS does is it kind of looks for what room of this resume can I find this person's education in? What room can I find their professional experience in? And if you use weird, unusual headings because you think it'll be cute and differentiating, it will confuse the ATS. So uh, if your education is listed under something that's called academic preparation or something cutesy like how smart I am, 
the ATS can't find that. You want a section that has the word education in it. Your experience section, I always do professional experience. So the word experience is what's critical there. So just don't try to get cute on the headings. And then number five, virtually all ATS will allow you to upload the fully formatted version. So that's what I talked about at the outset of this section. I do two versions. And so I tell my clients, here's the formatted, the ATS formatted version for you to upload into the system. It will allow you to attach. I recommend that you do this as PDFs. You can attach uh, your pretty resume and a cover letter. And then depending on the, the job requirements or the type of job it is, you may have a work sample or some sort of credential um, verification that you need to upload as well. And I do. you want to always do that in PDF because that retains the integrity of the document. But I highly recommend that you give them the pretty version. The, the people in human resources have been very clear in saying that's the one we want to actually look at. And then number six, length is not an issue with ATS resumes. So if it is appropriate, you can go a little bit longer to put maybe additional keywords or go into more de description of your job duties or your accomplishments. That's not a big issue. You still want to keep your pretty resume to no more than two pages, right? So, and it may be one page if you're right out of college and don't have a lot of experience but never more than two pages unless you're in academics or scientific research or um, government, federal jobs. Those resumes can ugh, go on for 18 pages. But in terms of the most of you, you're going to want to keep it to two pages. But if you want to go a little bit longer on the ATS resume, go for it. Just know that it needs to be useful information that you're adding. Don't just add it to hope that there's additional words in there that the ATS will, will like. All right, so hopefully that's given you some perspective here. Let me kind of do a little review because this has been a lot of information. So as far as your resume, the three points I made is that your resume is a marketing document. It should not be a static data sheet of where you worked, what your job title was, and what your job duties were. It talks about your achievements, how well you perform that job. Number two, your resume should be reflective of your brand and your brand should differentiate you from your competition. It should immediately tell a reader whether you are someone that they would want to talk to or not. The alternative is a very generic kind of vanilla response that does not elicit the kind of response you want. It doesn't elicit the kind of pay that you want. You're kind of, if you're vanilla, you're kind of the, well, if nobody else better comes along. Um, option and that's not what you want to be. And number three, your resume must be applicant tracking system ATS compatible. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Um, and for many of you, this is the kind of information that you need to run with your resume and you feel very confident about doing it yourself. I have many other clients who, who the more they hear about resumes, the more they realize they're out of their depth and they want help. I think it is an extremely beneficial use of your financial resources. Obviously, I'm biased in this area, but I think it's so important to have an expert in your corner. There's too much at stake here. And you guys, if you're my target audience, you are high achieving 22 to 32 year old liberal arts graduates. The sky is the limit for you. So why would you have anything about your candidacy or your process that would limit you? So if you want to talk to me about how do you have an amazing resume, a top-notch resume, written by one of 23 master resume writers on the planet, I might add, then uh, let's, let's talk. You can look in the show notes for the link to my calendar, but I'll tell you now. 
Uh, you can get on my calendar at www.timetrade.com slash book slash D, the number 6KLN. That's D as in dog, K, uh, 6, the number 6KLN. So I hope to hear from you. As always, I want to be your career coach. I'm getting emails from you guys. I'm getting I'm getting calls from you guys. You guys are setting up appointments with me, and that makes me super happy. I was telling a group of people um, just the other day that I get disproportionately excited when I get a client from my podcast more than any other form of marketing that I do and, and outreach that I do. I just get over the moon excited when I get a call from one of you guys. So give me a call and I'll hook you up with great content and great information. And by the way, on that 30-minute call, that consult call that I just gave you the link to, I'm going to listen to your situation, and I promise you'll walk away with at least two really great tips to move your job search or your resume writing, whatever the case may be, forward. And then if if I think it's a good fit for us to work together, I'll let you know what that looks like. But there's no obligation. The consult call is free, and I would love to chat with you. So my email address is, as always... L-E-S-A, Lisa, at ExclusiveCareerCoaching.com. See you next week. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.